0: Hormone information that we find in the PCOS community, I think it's focused on androgens, especially considering that high androgens is one of the diagnostic criteria for PCOS. So if you have high androgens, you have symptoms like acne, hair loss, hair growth, irregular cycles, irritability. And then the other hormone I think we hear a lot about is progesterone. Because women with PCOS tend to have low progesterone, so things like headaches, cycle issues especially breakthrough bleeding anxiety is kind of caused by low progesterone but the hormone estrogen is one that i don't think that we talk enough about and the and the role that estrogen imbalance plays in pcos so i want to talk about that and i asked one of my favorite hormone women's hormone experts magdalena shalaki to come back on the PCOS podcast. She is the founder of hormonesbalance.com and the author of Cooking for Hormone Balance, which is a fabulous book that came out last year. So Magdalena, welcome back to the PCOS Steva podcast. Amy, so good to be back. Well I want to just draw attention to our other two episodes that we did together, which are fantastic. Um, episode eighty three, and we talked about the unexpected way food affects your health, and we talked a lot about foods to choose for gut health and hormone balance, and coffee consumption um, and how that relates to hormone imbalance. So check that podcast out, and also. We did want, and this is one of your specialties, is um, herbs and how to use herbs for healing. And we especially talked about herbs for healing for PCOS in episode 68. And you shared some of your favorite herbs and spices with us and explained how they could help us heal PCOS and balance hormones. So definitely check those out because Magdalena is really, I consider, one of the best experts of using whole food herbs, spices, food to balance your hormones, and that's exactly what you did in your your fantastic book, Cooking for Hormone Balance. So just wanted to give you a shout out for those um, great resources. So Magdalena, um, tell us about estrogen and why we need to um, not be worried about, but why estrogen sort of needs to be on our radar in terms of
1: of managing our
0: PCOS.
1: Yeah. So first of all, you know, let's not demonize estrogen because we are going to be talking about a condition here that's called estrogen dominance. That oftentimes women with, um, with like you said, with high androgens will produce higher levels of estrogen. and so I'm going I'm to cover this in just a second. But you know, the first thing I want to say, let's not demonize estrogen because as women, we've got to have certain levels of estrogen, healthy levels of estrogens, and break down those estrogens properly in order to stay a woman. You know, for us to – our hips and butt, butts, our breasts, our, you know, periods, a lot of our emotions are connected to the fact that we have uh, healthy levels of estrogen. When your estrogen starts dropping, um, you know, this is when we start going into perimenopause and menopause, and it presents its own set of symptoms, Right. So, but I know your audience is a little bit on the younger side, um, since in, more in the reproductive years. So let's talk about, you know, why is estrogen dominance such a frequent occurrence when it comes to women with PCOS? And as you alluded to it, androgens are high with PCOS, one of the diagnostic tools. Well, guess what? One of the things that happens with testosterone is testosterone gets converted into estrogens. And specifically, the first estrogen it gets converted to is called estradiol. And that tends to be the estrogen that's a little bit more aggressive. Now again, we need a certain amount of it, um, but it's just the amount of, of having too much of it, that's where a lot of the symptoms uh, begin. And when I say symptoms, and so you know, how do you know that your levels of estrogen are bordering the, um, are going in an unhealthy uh, spectrum, right? You're like, this, is, this is not the, the, the level of estrogen you have, or you're not breaking it down properly. How, how do you know that happens? Well, there's some blood tests or urine tests that can be done. We can talk about that uh, later. But, the, you know, I think it all starts with symptoms and just knowing your own body, right, and knowing uh, what is normal, what is not normal. So one of the big things, obviously, with when you have estrogen dominance that's, that will happen is that you are, you know, your cycles are all messed up, right? For some women, it could be as bad as having um, which means that you have like constant period for like 20 days and bleeding it could also be a lack of periods and again lack of periods can also be because you have high testosterone or DHEA levels right but it can also be because you have high estrogen levels Um, other very very symptomatic of estrogen dominance will be very characteristic I would say with estrogen dominance will be things like storing a lot of fat around your hips and your thighs that's very indicative of women with estrogen problems. Um, women who have uh, thyroid nodules um, oftentimes have it because of estrogen dominance as well. A lot of the estrogenic cancers, such as breast cancer, ovarian cancer, um, uh, ovarian, uterine, and lung cancers so in non-smokers, women who are non-smokers. Guess what? It's again the um, the, the cancer cells the malignant cells grow, are, are fueled by certain types of estrogens, right? So I would say those are some of the um, more, you know, more obvious symptoms um, of estrogen dominance. And we definitely, it, it, and, you know, I think the other problem that it presents with, for women, especially with PCOS, why we want to be mindful about it and ask ourselves, well, is this my problem? Is this something that I can I should be addressing and by the way it's it doesn't have to be complex if you're following Amy's protocols is really about just adding a couple more things to as to address the estrogen issues but I would just mention one more thing Amy for your audience I think where estrogen dominance can present itself as a problematic issue is the fact that it causes a great amount of inflammation in the body and for many people, you know, I'm sure your audience knows this. We've heard this many times from you that when you have PCOS, you, women just generally tend to be very inflamed. And so estrogen, excess estrogen will drive that inflammation even further. Mm.
0: And and inflammation is really one of the root um, underlying issues of so many PCOS symptoms. And, you know, if the, the estrogen dominance is driving the inflammation, it's important that you... You know, understand that, and I know I in the so you know as I'm sort of entering that or am in, in the perimenopause phase, um, I have been dealing with some estrogen dominance that I've had to um, kind of work at uh, um, balancing. And I know that for me, the symptoms were fibrocystic like breasts, very sore yes. breasts around my my period. Um, And bloating too, I I found that increased bloating was um, kind of problematic and troublesome for me.
1: Absolutely, when you can't take off your ring, right? Your wedding ring or your regular rings, you can't take them off, definitely. um, That is due to estrogen dominance. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that. Fibrocystic breasts, but also lumpy boobs, um, Mm -hmm. that is something that is uh, very, very uh, much connected to estrogen dominance as well. And almost every woman I know, Will suffer from that at one point in her life, you know, and um, and genetically, some women are more predispositioned towards estrogen dominance, so for example, you know, like, um, I'm definitely one of them, and um, to give you an example, like, I will go to, say, Portugal, and have, um, you know, a month of drinking quite a bit of wine, and having gluten here and there, and there's some dairy that will sneak its way through to my diet, I'll come back, and I would have a horrendous PMS that month, and I'll have lumpy boobs, right? so yeah, so so tell us about the wine because that was
0: one of the th- thing the driving factors I think for me I was kind of getting into um you know I'll just have a, a glass of wine with with dinner um you know it's it, it, it was a way for me to kind of unwind from the day and gee it does have some resveratrol so you know I was drinking some red um Pinot Noir um, but it was yeah. it was definitely driving the estrogen dominance. So maybe you could just explain a little bit about that connection.
1: Yeah. So you know, there's quite a lot of studies that show the connection between like women who drink two glasses of wine or more a, a day, a night, um, and uh, and the risk of breast cancer, estrogenic estrogen receptor positive breast cancer being higher. Um, and you know, we now know that all, well, obviously, alcohol impairs our liver. One of the things that it's really important to remember about estrogen is how we clear estrogen is and, and one of the vital organs that clears your estrogen metabolizes if you will to basic metabolism metabolism of estrogens in this context here is basically splitting it to dirty and, and clean estrogens you know just for simplicities if you will so imagine like if it's a river flowing and there is this uh, filter in between like um like um you know island and then this island acts as a filter so one one part of the liver river becomes clean and the other one is dirty, right? And so estrogens, you know, think of it the same way, and the, the island in the middle, that's your liver. So basically alcohol, what happens with alcohol is that alcohol will further attacks the liver. But here's the thing, Amy, you know, I'm a strong believer that if you do something in moderation, and wine, you know, with a lot of benefits, especially if you're drinking organic wine with minimal sulfates being added, and um, I think it's perfectly fine as long as your liver is really well supported, you know, and there's a whole bunch of things that we can do to support our liver. And we can talk about those like three big things you can do right away. Um, and so, you know, so it doesn't get so taxed by that alcohol and having that occasional glass of wine, uh, you know, is not going to make that much of an impact.
0: Yeah, I mean, something that I've tried to do is just kind of reserve it for the weekend. So, um, you know, I'm not sure. drinking it during the week. But I, but I will just sort of, um, you know, just make people mindful of the fact that so many women with PCOS have are, are dealing with um, non-alcoholic fatty liver um, disorder. So our our livers tend to already be compromised. So that's just something to consider as well yeah totally mm-hmm. um, so not to get you off your your train of thought, um magdalena, but we were i think you were talking about we were talking about some other um, you know signs and symptoms of estrogen dominance that we were talking about the fibrocystic breasts, the um, bloating um, anything yeah, else and, you know, having
1: was- terrible yeah like having for example terrible pms mm-hmm. is, uh, you know as women we are so used to having horrible pmss and the truth be told. When you are truly balanced in your body and, and, and you know metabolize estrogen fairly well, then your period will come and go with very little uh, signs of being present you know and, um, which is which is a very foreign concept to a lot of women and so but I, I want to just offer you and invite you to just think of it as like um, the, the, when you address your estrogen issues, you, you know, your pMS becomes much lighter as well. Um, estrogen dominance can also be contributing factor towards inovulation, right? So, you know, so you already have issues with women with inovulation in your community because of high testosterone levels, but guess what? High estrogen levels can also be further contributing to that. Um, You know, other things I would say is, um, you know, a big thing would be mood swings. Um, For a lot of women, having too much estrogen will cause that sort of you know, is the person you can't live with. Right. Um, you know, for some women it's really frustrating that you're really skinny and, and you exercise a lot and you do like yoga three times a week and, you know, women go for five mile runs like three times a week. And, and you're like, man, I still have the cellulite on my thighs. How awful is that? And truth be told that that's because you basically are not, pro- the estrogen, um, partly is responsible for metabolism of fat and so that fat gets stored into uh, for some reason the lower the lower part of the body and you know our thighs and our butts tend to be that's on a cosmetic level but let's also not forget the fibroids which is another very common benign thank goodness uh, symptom but you know, a a condition, I would say. But the problem with fibroids, you know, in the Western medicine approach to it is, is what is your doctor going to tell you, right? Is most of the time is either put you on birth control pills, which we all know we shouldn't be going down that path. Or if they have fibroid or the fibroids are so big, they'll ask you to do a full hysterectomy, right? And, you know, as a woman, like, I don't want to lose an organ, even if I plan to have no more kids, right? Because then you're basically going to be dependent on uh, tweaking hormonal Uh, your hormone intake for the rest of your life, right? And so plus I feel like it's just barbaric because a lot of fibroids can be resolved. Uh, uh, Different um, ovarian uh, polyps as well as uh, polyps in the uterus can also be due to estrogen dominance. I actually had a woman working for me uh, a few years ago and actually her departure has created a policy in my company that I don't hire anyone on my team unless you're absolutely completely passionate about what we do and you live this lifestyle. And she was one of those who wasn't really. And then so she, one day she came back. She says, you know, I was diagnosed with um, all these polyps about my uterus and my doc says I should remove my my uterus. What should I do? I'm like, well, you know, you work with me. Why don't you just try at least like three little things like get off gluten, sugar and, and coffee and see what happens. And uh, long and behold, she actually did more than that because she started feeling better and better. And, you know, Amy, within three months, she went back to her doc and had another ultrasound. And the doc is like, what have you been doing? Your polyps are pretty much disappeared. So basically they shrunk by 80%. They were almost invisible. And so she not only did she save her uterus, but her daughter started having similar problems with fibroids and she pretty much cured her uh, using the protocol. So, you know, pretty, uh, I will say estrogen dominance is one of the easiest uh, and fastest responding um, hormonal imbalances as compared, for example, to adrenal issues, which is such a multifactorial approach, you know, I find with estrogen, if you do a couple of things, support your liver, incorporate a few foods, um, you're pretty good to go. If, a couple of supplements, which we can talk about as well. Um, and I say this as someone who, you know, uh, my doc is um, is an integrative doc. You, you probably know her, Amy. She's you know part of our group. And um, when she when she saw me for the first time, I went there with my whole labs and printouts, and she looked at my genetics, and she said have you ever had breast cancer? I'm like, whoa, no. And she says, you know, normally women of your age, and I think I was 45 at that time when I walked in. She says, typically women of, with your genetics uh, at that age will walk in here, they have some kind of history of either, um, yeah, typically will be breast cancer because it's, so I, you know, I say this as someone who's been having, I'm a terribly and infamously terrible estrogen detoxifier metabolizer. And I will tell you that amongst all the different hormonal imbalances I've had, estrogen dominance is the easiest one to reverse. So just want to you know, put that hope out there. Uh,
0: I, I have to say that my mother had um, a total hysterectomy at 40 because of fibroids. Um, and I know, you know, I was a teenager then and she really struggled. And I gosh, I wish that I had this information to give her, you know, so it would have uh, avoided so much pain and suffering. <laughs> Um, and the other thing that I've, um, wanted to just mention is that, you know, you talk about working with an integrative doctor, but so many of us, you know, don't have the luxury, like we, it's hard to find, um, integrative physicians, and when we go and talk to our general practitioner about estrogen dominance, they sort of look at us cross-eyed, um, like you know, I have no idea what that means, or that's a fallacy, or you know, it's just it's we're not really speaking their language. Um, so I was wondering if you could give us some guidance on testing. So you know, if, if somebody's listening and they're kind of checking off all of these uh, symptoms, like how can we ha- get sort of an uh, you know answer in paper that we have estrogen imbalances?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So the first thing is always go with your symptoms, right? And you know, not all, I mean, some doctors who even take insurance are fairly open-minded and want to learn uh, from patients. So, but I, I, I hear what you're saying. So there's a couple of tests I want to recommend. One is like, if, if you want a really low budget and you're, and you want, you, you insist on having insurance pay for it, then you can talk to your doctor about getting a blood test for specific estrogen metabolites metabolites are basically the off products of after estrogen is being broken down and this is specifically and i will you know let's put that maybe in the show notes amy because i know a lot of people are going to struggle with that word but basically it's um it's called a 2 to 16 hydroxy estrogen ratio okay and what happens that the two is basically the bad guy, 16 is a bad metabolite, the aggressive metabolite, 16 is a protective one. And how much of a balance is between those two could be an indication of how you're breaking down estrogens. It is a snapshot, if you will, of what's happening with your estrogen landscape, um, but it's still better than nothing. And quite frankly, like you know, to, it's such an inexpensive test, then most doctors should be able to order that, especially if, you know, if you, if you, as a patient, you go in and say, look, doc, I've got lumpy boobs, I've got fibroids, you know, or whatever it might be, like debilitating symptoms, uh, they should be able to do that task for us. The second one, if you have a little bit more cash to spare, if you have insurance that's a little bit more generous and covers your expenses, then um, Dutch, which is, you spell D-U-T-C-H, it's a, sali- Sorry, it's a urine test, um, and that's my favorite test because it shows you everything from uh, all the steroid hormones, so basically testosterone, uh, DHEA, progesterone, estrogens, cortisol, but more importantly, if you talk about estrogen dominance specifically, what I love about this test is that it shows you exactly how you're breaking down those estrogens to these different metabolites, and it shows you all the pathways on it. It does need to be interpreted by a practitioner, Um, I have a place that we can order that online without going through a doctor. The only thing that folks are going to be stuck with is that you need a doctor interpretation um, of the lab. So, but there's a number of, you know, a lot of integrative docs um, do interpretation of that. So, and it's becoming pretty much a golden standard now. So I think with these two tests, um, Amy, you know, um, we should be able to get some, make some headways. Yeah.
0: And, and we've done a podcast, with um, the, with Dutch Test um, and the, I think it's Dr. Carrie Jones. Yes. So we'll yeah. post that link in the show notes. Um, as well so and then I and I think you might be referring to your lab works because we yeah we have have a um a podcast with them as well where you can order your own dutch test so
1: exactly um,
0: yeah so lots of information if you um it, it really allows you to be empowered and take control over your own health
1: there is also, you know, saliva testing as an option. The the problem with saliva I have found is that it's a little bit out of is becoming a little bit out of fashion. Part of it is because we now understand it's um it's not just the you know, the three different types of estrogens since so saliva will show you how the three different estrogens fare in comparison to each other and that's one of the markers to look at. But we now know is that how the liver and your gut breaks down those estrogens is far more important and saliva can't show you that. And for that reason, I wouldn't wholeheartedly um, recommend it.
0: So you talked a little bit about you know, your liver. Um, if, if your liver is kind of compromised, it, it um, you know, can cause issues the way the estrogen's broken down and can cause imbalance and dominance. What, other, what are some other things that kind of lead to estrogen dominance?
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, definitely um, our gut microbiome play, plays a very big role. So, so basically the gut bacteria, right, that we carry in, in our small and large intestines. And we now know that there is a subset of bacteria that's called the estrobolum that basically is responsible for breaking down estrogens to the different metabolites that I talked about. And remember, it's not the amount of estrogen you have that is a problem, but it's how you break down those estrogens that are causing most of the issues um, in women. You know, the, for example, the fibroids that we talked about, the cancers, right? It's the, it's the metabolites, so those dirty estrogens are the ones that are causing the proliferation of the path, uh, pathogenic um, cells. So, you know, so... Uh, Gut health, and, and this kind of goes back to, I'm sure this is what, you know, I mean, I, I have your books, and so I know exactly what you're teaching. It's like getting off gluten and dairy and soy, so all the anti-inflammatory foods, right, it's going to help restore. Um, if you can, incorporating good quality um, fermented foods, right, it's definitely going to help a whole ton. Mm, you know, and then having high quality probiotic, and but also trying different probiotics and circulate or, or rotating them on a regular basis every month and a half, six weeks to eight weeks, try a different probiotic, see what works. You know, Amy, I really wish the probiotic makers could give us like samples that we can buy a small sample and see how it works for us rather than be having to spend 30, 40, $60 on a bottle and then go like, uh-oh, it doesn't agree with me, but mm-hmm. it doesn't work right now. <clears throat> Everything from sporebiotics to, um, you know, your regular probiotics, but also incorporating prebiotics as the food for the probiotics, having a whole combination of those will be really helpful. Uh, for your gut health. And, you know, I think the third element that we can do, like right off the bat, is really clean up your skincare product uh, regimen, right? Um, you know, if there's anything that you're still buying from the leading brands that you see on television or, or seen glossy magazines, or the big brands that are advertising there, let me assure you that these brands, in order to be able to afford $20,000 for that little ad that you're seeing, are going to be loaded with exactly the kind of chemicals that you do not want in your body and so i'm talking here about specifically about um about phthalates i'm talking here about uh, it's not just bpas but you know it's uh it's kind of ironic i just came back from this conference amy you know we were chatting about that and uh one of the biggest problems with bpas now is like okay now everybody's removing bpas but guess what bisphenol right is the name Mm -hmm. But now they're having BPFs, BPS, and there's and there's like sixteen other ones. And guess what? Turns out that all of them are even worse than the BPAs. Of course, <laughs> right? Yeah. So you know, getting rid of your plastic bottles—just simple changes. Get rid of your plastic bottle. Get a get a glass get a glass container or a stainless steel container, right? Um, you know, skincare products. So, like I said, um, you know, this is like, for example, use your body cream, right? It's going somewhere, right? It's all going to go into your body. You're covering a very large area that's going to be high, have a very high absorption area. Uh, just skipping things like that and just substituting. the so many beautiful, clean brands today. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you walk into your health food store, your co-op, or Whole Foods, it's going to be definitely a much better option. Um, you know, and I would say maybe probably lastly, like if you're still using those nice smelling. Uh, things in the house, like... Um, oh, yes. Pure, the glade plug yeah. plugins Yes, glade plug <laughs> Chuck G- that Yankee thing away, like, like, pronto. Yeah. Because that thing goes straight into your bloodstream. Like, that's... I mean, inhalation is the faster way to introduce a substance, right? Like, just take a look at how people snort cocaine, and then, like, within half a minute, they are, like, a different person, right? So, mm-hmm.
0: um, that's, that's why, essential, I mean, if you want your house to smell beautiful, get some really nice essential oil blends, um, Absolutely. and, and Absolutely. use those. They're, they're just, you know, they're just so much better for you. So, so we know that, um, eliminating some of these toxins can help us bring estrogen back into balance. You had mentioned, um, adding probiotics, prebiotics, what are some other things that we can do to help um, balance our estrogen?
1: You know, I want to go back to the earlier discussion we had about the liver. You know, I can't tell you how much uh, of love and support it needs. Um, you, know, do you, do you, you know, the liver pumps this five liters, so it's five quarts of blood that go through the liver every single minute picture that five liters every single minute. And so the amount of work that the liver is doing on a constant basis is horrendous. And, it, you know, if we can support the liver a little bit, it's going to be so re- incredibly rewarding. Um, I mentioned, I'm going to mention two things you can do right off the bat to help yourself. The first thing is anything better stimulates bowel production. And the, the more bowel you're producing, the easier it is going to be for the food to be digested, the less load it is on the liver. So you can do bitters in two forms, either incorporate cruciferous vegetables, so like between three to five servings. Of and pers- just, to, just to clarify,
0: you said, um, in case people are confused, you said bitters, because I think that's a B- B-I-T-T-E-R-S, because I yes. think a lot of people haven't, aren't really familiar with
1: that term. Yeah, so anything so, – so I'm going to – yeah, great. Thank you, Amy. So bitters is in anything that tastes bitter – or, or you can do it in the form of a tincture. I'll, I'll talk about this in a second. Mm, but so any bitter foods such as cruciferous vegetables, so those will be your, uh, your broccoli and arugula and, um, you know, Brussels sprouts and uh, broccoli, cauliflower, kale, collard grains, bok choy, right? Um, having between three to five servings a day, and I, I'm talking here about a serving is like a half a cup, right? So it's not that much and preferably cooked because cruciferous vegetables raw are really hard to digest and you want it to be easy. So lightly cooked, um, incorporating it into your daily routine really, really is going to help, um, a whole bunch to stimulate digestive juices, enzymatic production. And the, by the time the food gets into, uh, the digestive system is going to be well broken down, less work on the liver. Um, but the, and the second thing on the bitters that I was mentioning. Is You know, Amy, how like you go to like Italy or maybe you have like Swedish friends or, or German friends or Polish friends. And a lot of times, in, especially in European traditional cultures, we always have like a aperitif, right, before a meal. And guess what? These aperitifs will always be better they can be sweet sometimes a little bit too, just to mask the bitterness. But the reason why we traditionally were doing a lot of bitters before and after a meal is because of making, of supporting the digestive system and the liver in breaking uh, things down. And so, uh, so apart from the food that I mentioned, the other, I'm just a big fan now. And Amy, I'm going to be start making my own bitters. I've decided. in 2020. yeah. um, Just, some, I came from the conference, I saw some incredible formulations, including like root beer bitters and cardamom and cinnamon bitters. And I'm like, bring it on. I want to make my own. <laughs> well, i be favorite. your guinea pig. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll sign you up. Um, so it's basically like a little, it, it, form, it comes in this little bottle. You can find a lot of health food stores. You find, you know, it's basically this, it looks like a, it, it's a tincture bottle. It's typically in dark ember um, glass and um, it comes with a driplet on the inside and you you squirt that just 30 drops in your mouth before a meal or after a meal and some of them will be alcoholic and some of them will be mixed with glycerin so it does, doesn't taste so alcoholic a phenomenal way of getting your digestion primed for food um, and I can't tell you how many women have said they've congested their constipation improved their asthma's will have gone away they've been losing weight and this is all they did was um, just increasing their amount of bitters they've been eating in their diet. So a really big thing for estrogen as well.
0: That's such a great tip. I mean, it really, I, I'm going to give that a try.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And one more food if I could mention is uh, because it really is a rock star of, in our field and there's so much research now coming out is broccoli sprouts. Mm-hmm. Little innocent broccoli sprouts is basically it's like, you know, before before the before broccoli becomes a full grown plant, right? You start off with these little sprouts. And just from within three to four days from seeds to whatever sprouts, that's the that's the time you want to harvest them. And you know, they are full of I mean they're full of a lot of nutrients and stuff, but like all sprouts are. But what sets them apart from all the other sprouts is the fact that they contain a uh, 200 times more sulforaphane per gram as compared to fully grown broccoli. And the big deal about sulforaphane is the fact that it helps us to very quickly and very effectively, uh, two things. One is help us detoxify those estrogens really quickly. So it's basically an estrogen detoxifier, but guess what? It's also an estrogen blocker. So what it does is sulforaphane, now we know from research, is that it parks itself on a receptor, for example, of that cancer cell, and it blocks the estrogen from coming through so the cancer won't grow. And furthermore, and the third thing they have found that sulforaphane creates it creates self-death and self-destruction of cancer cells. I mean, how crazy powerful mm-hmm. is that? And so for women who are having breast cancer, the recommended dose is a cup a day, and I've got some recipes that are even on my site as well, which is basically you put like broccoli sprouts, you know, with some water and lemon juice and a bit of salt and you whiz it in, um, in your blender or in you know, and, and then have it as a drink. Uh, but if you do it as a preventative measure, if you're just, you know, dealing with less severe things, like, for example, lumpy boobs, then just doing half a cup of that um, is, uh, is good enough. And I tell you within two weeks of doing this every day, lumpy boots go away for women.
0: Wow. So do you grow your own or do you buy them?
1: I travel quite a bit. And so because of that, I don't, but I, what I do is I just get it from my local health store. And that's another great thing is that, um, you know, you can find them pretty much in every health store. Sprouts sells them, Whole Foods sells them. Pretty much everywhere I travel around the United States and um, I always, you know, like whenever we go for conferences, Amy, right? You've probably seen me do that. Like I always buy my own breakfast foods, mm-hmm. and put it in the fridge, in the, uh, in the hotel or the apartment. And so broccoli sprouts is always one of them. So every time I go somewhere, they always are present in most of the health food stores. A lot of people ask me, what about the other sprouts, the alfalfa Alpha or uh, red clover? And all of them are amazing. They have their own set of different properties. But if you're looking for sulforaphane and specifically to address estrogen dominance, they only found in broccoli sprouts.
0: You know, Magdalene, I think what I love so much about your work is you really bring to life that idea of food as medicine. And you know, sometimes I think women, um, you know, it's it's so easy to reach for the non, you know, non-vegetable alternative, (laughs) you know, the kind of the junky food. But when you really understand at this level of what vegetables, sprouts, you know, um, these these bitters are doing, bitter vegetables are doing to heal our body, it, it really puts things into a different perspective and I think empowers us to make better choices.
1: Yeah, that is so true.
0: And I know, you know, we're, we're running out of time and I know you have so, you have so many other tips and tricks to balance estrogen. Um, you know, can you tell us more about your resources on hormonesbalance.com? Um,
1: yeah. Can I mention a new program that we have? Yeah. Yes. Okay.
0: I would love that.
1: Yeah. So, you know, Amy, I feel like the way you, your business is very mission driven. And I remember when I first met you like I don't know, five, six years ago, and you said, you stood up and you said, I serve women who are so underserved in this, in this world, uh, women with PCOS, I never forgot that. And I always remember, you know, like, help that estrogen dominance, like, you tell me who is the woman in your life, you know, who did not, who never had any signs and symptoms of estrogen dominance. I don't think they even exist, but guess what? Most of them don't even realize that they have it. Mm -hmm. And so estrogen reset is the new program that I'm, we just rolled out and I'm super proud of it because it really is like a mission based plus a passion plus a super personal project. Cause you know, now you know my story. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a high risk for all these estrogen problems too. So it's basically, you know, a, um, a four week program that takes you through the fundamentals. And so how do you fix your gut liver um, sugar balance, which is so close to the heart, I'm sure, of all of your PCOS followers, sugar balance. Um, and we set that as a foundation. And, and then it goes into part two, we go into specific protocols. So, for example, if you're dealing with lumpy boots, what can you do? If you're dealing with um, um, inovulation, what, what is the protocol? So we go. I have very specific protocols then that address these um, very, very narrow um, estrogen-dominant symptoms. So, yeah. So you know, it's um, it's it's there, and um, I guess we're gonna have a link in the show notes, right? For, yes, i link. And for- my whole hope is just to really empower. Yeah, yeah. you know, and my 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 whole intention with the program is to, in a very inexpensive way, because really it's gonna be one of the cheapest programs that we have out there. And the reason why I pressed it solo is because. I really don't want the price to be a reason. I can't, I'm not going to do it for free because I think like we get things for free, we don't value things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you know, monetary exchange is an energetic exchange and you commit to things when you pay for something. So I want people to pay for it. But making it expensive enough, so no, this is never a reason for somebody not to get going. And I really want, my whole mission is to see a million women change their estrogen dominant symptoms to completely reversing and managing that so they never ever have to deal with the fear of breast cancer or having their uterus removed and, you know, all these other awful stuff that we, we do face.
0: What an awesome mission. Thank you so much, Magdalena, for the work that you do. I really admire you. I, I often think of it, you know, I, I, I think when women are, um, have con- gone through the PCOS Diva programs and they're ready to, like, ramp it up, a notch, um, you know. I like to send people over your way because you've really uh, dialed into, you know, how to manage your hormones naturally um, with food. So, and you know, all of these other things—herbs, spices. Um, so, thank you for for all that you do. And and if if this uh, if estrogen imbalance dominance is an issue for for listeners, please go check out Magdalena's program and i will list the link in the show notes for sure so thanks magdalena for coming on again so wonderful to be back Amy. and thank you everyone for listening i look forward to being with you again very soon bye-bye well that wraps up our podcast today If you think someone else might benefit from this free podcast, please take a minute to share it with a friend or family member so she can benefit from it too. And don't forget to sign up for my free weekly newsletter. Just enter your email at pcusdiva.com to get instant access and make sure you never miss a future podcast. This is Amy Medling wishing you good health. Bye-bye.